and it was group hiring. So we would have group interviews come in and I would be the one coordinating them. And so I'm emailing these people. I'm like talking, I'm asking questions. And so I started just seeing the name a lot. And then when we would bring on these new hire classes, there would be between 10 and 15 people at a time that we were hiring because we were scaling so quickly. And I would play this game where I would go around the room that first day and say all of their names, um, just from remembering them through the, the interview process. And it was always just such like a, a cool thing to be able to do. But um, I think it was from just me having to do so much like with the paperwork and just the emailing and, and it's just there's these constant reinforcements. But I think on the day to day, it's just more of a, like initially when I'm meeting someone, I'll, I'll say their name in my head like five or seven times um, and just to like get it, you know, down. And that sometimes works, but um, nice, very, uh, very cool. No, I, and I love it. And for those of you now just joining our conversation, we're live. So now you're part of what we're talking about. We're talking about how people remember names and the importance of that. And the topic for today's show, unfortunately, is not how to remember names better, although that would be very valuable. Uh, but we've got two special guests. We've got Maria Dunn and we've got Liv Cruzat, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, speaking of names. Did I get that right? Liv, Liv. Liv Cruzat. See, I did that on purpose just to make sure that everybody knows I'm a human, I'm flawed. We're talking about names and I mispronounce them. Um, but you are listening to the Scale Up Valley podcast where we talk with individuals and executives in scale-ups who have the problem of scaling, which is a good problem to have. And today we're gonna to be talking about one of the most important pieces of the puzzle, which are the people, scaling people, and how specifically to deliver a world-class candidate experience. So we've got Maria and we've got Liv, 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 Liv. It's short for Olivia. So if oh, you okay. get uh, the beginning and the end, live. <laughs> there, there you go. You, you've got it, the tips. People mess it up all the time. It's, it's... <laughs> uh, oh, Livia, got it. So <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna get to know them a little bit, and then we're gonna talk through some questions, everything having to do with the problems, to their solutions, to some of the nuances, and maybe some fun stories of their past when things went right or wrong. Uh, my name is Ryan Fullen. Ryan actually means little king. And I also say like Ryan Lyon with the beard. That's my main. So that's a good way to remember my name. And uh, I'm, a, I'm a keynote speaker. I love to talk about simplicity and bringing better communication practices to the workplace. So I'm going to be all ears as well as asking some questions. Uh, let's get to know you guys a little bit more in the companies that you're working at. So Maria, why don't you start since you just happen to be to my upper left and that's where my eyes go. Got it. Well, hi everyone. My name is Maria Dunn. I am the head of people and culture at Managed by Q. I've been in HR, people operations, and, and talent uh, for over a decade now. And my company um, now, Managed by Q, we're at about 800 employees, and it's a blend of uh, your hourly staff that do um, cleaning and maintenance services at our client sites, and then also. Um, are what we call office staff, uh, who's everyone from marketing and sales and engineering. Uh, so I get a nice blend of, you know, two different populations that I support. So hopefully I can touch upon, you know, both of those uh, types of setups for anyone in the audience. Um, but yeah, Managed by Q essentially uh, is a platform that helps uh, folks run their workplaces. So um, we do everything that, you know, an office manager, a facilities manager, or even sometimes, you know, a C-level executive has to do to keep their employees happy and their offices running um, through technology. Um, so that's it in a nutshell. Happy people is a happy place. I that's like right. it. So, oh, uh, Liv, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> how about you? 
Uh, yes. So hi, everyone. I'm Liv Cruzat. I'm the head of people at a marketing analytics startup called Notch. Uh, we help brands understand how their branded content is doing from a data and also a sentiment perspective. Um, I manage all things people ops, so HR, recruiting, um, our office management team as well. And I've had kind of an interesting background in tech. I've worked at B2B software companies uh, as well as you know my current role and then also at e-commerce startups, which I think um, kind of seeing both of those two different sides of things and how you build people ops for each is very different and unique. Um, so hopefully I can talk a little bit about that and what those differences are as well. Um, but yeah, I actually got my first start working in startups in San Francisco and now I'm here in New York City doing uh, HR. So I've also seen you know, the differences in markets in San Francisco and New York, also a little different. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to be here and excited to be chatting with both of you. Excellent. All right. So the first question, which I think is one of the most important questions, is where do things go wrong, right? When you, when you talk about the candidate experience process, and I guess even when we say candidate experience, uh, I'm assuming that we're talking about everything from two different sides, right? One candidate experience is probably from the company and how you promote the opportunity. And then there's the flip side of it where you have the candidate experience of how do they find you? What, what kind of communication happens? So I want to maybe pull out some of the things that go wrong first and any, any good juicy stories are always welcome. So we're going to go in reverse order and live, you get to, you get to cue this thing up. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the main things that comes up a lot just with, you know, where things can go wrong with the candidate experience is lack of communication. I think, um, you know, I'm a big believer in having just a really positive candidate experience. I think it's been really interesting to kind of, I used to work in restaurants and it's been kind of interesting to just see, um, you know, the transformation even in the last four or five years with um, recruiting and with technology coming up and, um, you know, the fact that we have, you know, such a low unemployment rate. And so it's really kind of become this, it used to be kind of like the, the company's world, the company kind of owned, um, you know, kind of had the power within the, the dynamic. And I feel like we're kind of shifting to this more mutual dynamic slash in some ways, uh, especially with like engineering candidates, it's kind of a candidate's world. Um, <laughs> and they kind of hold power. So I think it's really interesting just, um, you know, that really leads to the fact that it's really important for you to make sure that the candidate has a good experience, learns about you and the company and not just um, you know, it's a mutual interview. It's not just you interviewing this person to see if they're a right fit for the job, but it's also, you know, them making sure it's a right fit for them. And so I think, um, you know, really kind of realizing that it's a mutual thing and, you know, communicating uh, along every step of the way. So, you know, always kind of telling people what to expect, um, you know, also letting them know if it's going to be a while until they hear back from you. Sometimes, you know, you, you want to go, um, they might be the first person you're talking to, and maybe you need to go see some more people before moving on to the next stages. So just being being straight with them on, you know, the timeline, if you're going to take a couple weeks to get back to them. Um, also, you know, I always try to uh, under promise over deliver with that as well. So always, you know, telling candidates it's going to be longer than what I expect it to actually be just to be proactive in case, you know, something comes up that I didn't expect. Um, but I think I think the communication part is huge. Um, and I, I also think, you know, it's, it's really important to kind of build a, a friendship with a candidate. I think that really stands out. Um, to candidates when they feel like they have kind of this internal cheerleader who, uh, you know, is, is there for them to answer their questions, to, to guide them through the process, to help them set up, be set up for success. Um, but yeah, I think, I think definitely the communication part is, is the key to me. 
So I think you just made up a new word, whether you like it or not, because I'm going to make it up for you, but it's called a mutual view. Instead of an interview, it's a mutual view. And I think that's a really that. <laughs> interesting perspective, right? So I'd like you to come in for the mutual view. What's, what's the mutual view? Oh, well, I mean, I'm interviewing you, but you should also be interviewing me. So make sure you come with a couple questions. And in fact, I've interviewed so many people. And when you, when you ask them, you're done with your interview part. And you're like, so do you have any questions for me? And I don't know what's going on with people, but sometimes they think that like a full interrogation is appropriate. And sometimes they think that it's better off if they're like, oh no, no, everything seems great. Yeah. So I think there's gotta be that happy medium. Uh, and I like this mutual view. I think we're gonna hashtag that. I, yeah. I, I learn a lot from the questions people ask. Like that tells a, a lot to me about a candidate. So it's, I definitely appreciate when candidates have questions at the end of, a, of an interview. Now, after Maria gives her spiel about what went wrong, I'm gonna challenge you to come up with the one or two of the worst questions possible, the things that no one should ask. So you have a minute to think about it. Maria, what, what are some of the problems that you see? Yeah, so first, Liv, I think you should go ahead and trademark that uh, before <laughs> Ryan does. Uh, I'll uh, tweet it out right now. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I agree with everything that Liv said. I think I would also add, you know, when we ever, whenever we do get feedback uh, around a negative experience or kind of experience when, when things go wrong with a candidate here or in my past experiences, you know, we always kind of do like a post-mortem and kind of go, look back and say, hey, like, you know, where did this go wrong? Like, why did this person end up giving this negative feedback or, you know, reacting this way? And, you know, nine times out of 10, it is due to a lack of planning. So I think that would be, you know, at a foundational level, you have to put time and energy and resources into, you know, the candidate experience. Like you have to have a team that is, you know, highly motivated by making sure that they're, uh, this person's going through this positive experience, you know, the hiring team needs to be on board. And so all of that is really just, it, it's, it's about planning and making sure everybody knows, um, you know, specifically, I think, you know, I've, I've personally had negative experiences when I've gone into interviews and you're, you're meeting with so many different peoples and everyone's asking the same question and you just feel like, oh my gosh, like, wow, like did these people even talk before they went into this? And they're literally only there's, I'm spending all this time and we're only getting the snippet of information about me. And so I think a lot uh, can be done with just, you know, planning out, okay, who's going to focus in one er what areas. Um, that's something we really do uh, well here at Q is like, listen, you have your, your focus areas and here's the questions that you'll be asking the candidate and try to stay, you know, on those so that the candidate really feels like they're, you know, getting a, an opportunity to speak on all of the things that they, they want to showcase versus, um, you know, just what, what everyone is asking with the same question. Um, so I definitely think that is why I would add, but um, also piggybacking on live like communication is key. You know, we have a recruitment coordinator here at Q and she is a absolute rock star and she's the, their, their first point of contact, the person that, you know, they're reaching out to or that um, the candidate's getting the first um, reach out from. That's kind of their friend, their buddy, that person that like helps them along the way and tells them what's happening. Um, so that I think is essential too. But, um, you know, I've, I've experienced also too where 
you know, you submit an application as a candidate, you're super interested, and then you're actively looking and you get another job. And then all of a sudden there's a call like three months later from the employer saying, Hey, like we're interested in your application. I just am thinking like, what in the world is taking these people so long? And so I think the other thing that I would say that, you know, you have to have, or that could, if it's not there, it leaves a, um, a bad impression is sense of urgency, right? Like how serious are you about really hiring for this role? And because like Liv mentioned, unemployment is so low right now and, you know, people, it is a candidate's market. You have to, your team has to be like on, like firing on all cylinders and really moving things along for a candidate, because that's going to be the differentiator from like, you know, another company that's dragging their feet. And so um, I've experienced that before. I've also, and I think this goes back to the planning and the organization thing, but like being at a, an organization and you're waiting for someone in a room and you're just sitting there and you're like staring at the walls and because and someone's late. And, you know, and again, again, it goes all back to the seriousness that everyone's taking this and like realizing that like, listen, you're courting this person, right? Like you want to give this first best impression and all of these little things are you know, little just dings that you're receiving that you might not even realize that contribute to a bad experience. Okay, so Maria, on point on all those levels, and you actually made up a new word that I'm gonna help you out with oh, too, okay? <laughs> no, think about this, because you were talking about courting, right? This mm. whole idea of it's a process, but when people are recorded, they're a lot more on their P's and Q's. Mm. And so this idea of recording Mm. <laughs> okay hashtag recording so yeah. it just made me think like if if somebody is being recorded they're going to be on time right? right if if this if this interview is being recorded we're going to be on time if this podcast is recorded we're going to be on time so this idea of like recording like as a candidate pretend like every move you make is being videotaped and oh, yeah. and as an as somebody who is the hiring manager be on your p's and q's as though somebody is going to quality control what you're saying so this idea of a mutual view that is re recorded. <laughs> I think those are some good packages. All right, um, Liv, what are the one or two questions that you should not ask? I mean, anything too personal, I think. Okay. So I think, yeah, stay away from, you know, if, like asking where someone's from, um, asking about people's personal life or like if they have children, I think, I think anything too invasive, it would probably be my no-no. Uh, okay. Other than what that- about, what, about from the, what about from the interviewee? The interviewee, when they are part of the mutual view and they're asking you, what questions should a, should a potential candidate never ask the employer? Or yeah. is that what you're saying? I guess, I don't know. I guess any just like overly negative or like, I don't know. I can't think of anything because I don't okay, think- we'll, I- we'll come back to it. We'll, it'll, it'll pop up. It'll pop up in there. Ones. But I did want to say something off of what um, Maria said earlier around, um, uh, shoot, what was it? Around the, so one of my biggest, everyone knows this on my team too, is that one of my biggest pet peeves is, is tardiness. Like, mm. I think it's just such a sign of respect to be on time. And, and you know, most likely the candidate was probably there on time. So um, yeah, that's, that's a big one for me as well. I think, I think that's really important and being prepared. And, um, you know, we do the same thing where, you know, people are searching for cert different things in certain interviews. It's either something competency related or uh, a value fit related. So, you know, making sure that this person exhibits the values that we have as a company or 
as it relates to our mission and vision. So uh, very aligned with everything Maria said there as well. That's something we definitely do as well as making sure, because um, I think also you're setting up candidates for in, like for, for failure because they're gonna get interview fatigue if you keep asking them the same questions. And they don't know if you're trying to trick them, <laughs> they should answer differently each time. And then by the third time, you know, they probably are telling this horrible story because <laughs> started with their best story in the first one and then they got asked the same question three times and they don't know if they should answer you know the same or differently so I've definitely seen that and I've seen people even in you know we do hiring meetings at the end of our interviews and I've seen it where people say oh well they didn't answer this question very well and then come to find out you know someone else answered that question or asked that question in an earlier interview and they were like oh yeah they answered it actually really well. <laughs> so I've seen that <laughs> <laughs> I'm always like, oh, my, like blood pressure goes up and I'm just like, wait, you asked the same question and you're like, don't do that. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, leave, uh, live. I've got a, a good quote for you and I might draw it as a stick figure and send it to you, but it's, it is don't be on time. Be early. Yes. Good one. Yes. Good one. Yes. So let's talk about kind of change gears into tools. Are there any specific tools that you use that other startups who are on their way to scale up can leverage or other scale ups who are like, oh my gosh, we need to fix this problem and you have a tool in your tool bag. So Maria, what are maybe the top two or three tools that you use? Yeah. So I'll speak to the two different uh, types of roles we hire for. So for our hourly employees, the, the folks that are doing our cleaning and maintenance services, we're hiring them on a uh, you know, very, uh, like very large like it's large group hiring. So we really needed a tool that could help us organize because we're bringing in, you know, between 15 and 20 people a week to interview. And then they go through like the pre-screening process. And then there's a bunch of scheduling that's happening. And so uh, we wanted to streamline that so that we weren't just, you know, trying to keep organized just by a person doing like, you know, Google Docs and emails. So we actually partner with a company called Fountain. And Fountain is a great resource. Um, it's connected to our posting that is um, on our website. And so once the candidate that is interested in one of those positions applies, they uh, get populated into Fountain. And from Fountain, we can organize based on you know, what groupings they're in. We can text message folks, because that's something we've seen is for um, you know, hourly employees or folks that are in that demographic that are looking for those types of roles, um, everything is on their phone. They're not really sitting in front of a computer um, and filling out like applications that way. So we need to make sure that everything's accessible via their phone and via text. That's what we see the most success in terms of communication. So they will literally get a text saying, hey, like we saw your application. We would love to take you in for an interview. Like here's some times that are available. And then they pick the time, they set themselves up and it just automatically flows them through this process and it's really easy to do bulk actions and just keep everybody in the, the same flow of uh, the process. So that tool is amazing, especially if you're doing like any type of like manufacturing hiring or, you know, factory or services or anything along those lines where you're hiring a, a large amount of hourly employees. Um, for the tool that we use for like pretty much any other role, uh, we do use Greenhouse, which is our ATS, our applicant tracking system. Um, so that again, you know, is, is fed right through our website. So folks apply and then once they're in Greenhouse, um, it's funny, I mean, we've had Greenhouse, I've been a Greenhouse customer forever. And I think it's just been uh, since this year that we've actually been 
you know, utilizing the tool for to its full capacity. So it's like, if you're a skeptic and you're using it and you're like, oh, we pay so much for this, I am going to give them a plug right now because if you really, you know, invest and sit down and, and get with your account manager and go through all of the things that like the bells and whistles, there is a ton there, but it really is about doing everything kind of like in that platform in terms of communication and outreach so it stays organized versus starting that whole, you know, mistake of emailing directly. And then you're like, wait, when did I email this person? And, you know, <laughs> what did they say? And so um, the tool I, I feel is really great for that. And then of course, there's just all of these, you know, functionality that, you know, we might talk about later, but just like with follow-ups and like sending out surveys for, for candidates. Um, but yeah, so, so it those are- It makes you superhuman is what it's doing. It's, it's, it's yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's all about like efficiencies and organization. And if a tool is going to allow me to do that, I'm all about it. Can you imagine a time maybe 50 years Can ago, 100 years ago? Like, it's crazy. <laughs> I, know. How about, I, I know. How, how about you? Um, what modern technology tools are you bringing into the cupboard these days? Yeah, so we too are greenhouse users. And I've been a, a longtime greenhouse fan and user. Um, and I was actually going to say the same thing is I don't think people know all of the functionalities that Greenhouse has, um, cause there's so much that you can leverage on there. Um, you know, like for us, even with, with follow-ups, for example, making sure we're staying on top of people that people don't just get kind of stuck in purgatory and within Greenhouse ethos. Um, we set up, you know, we set follow-up reminders, my team, our recruiting team, we set up follow-up reminders, you know, all the time. So uh, we're, we're not necessarily waiting for like someone's scorecard to come in before we reach out to a candidate. We set up a follow-up reminder in case, you know, someone doesn't actually put in their scorecard. We don't want to accidentally leave that person hanging there. So um, definitely utilizing that, that follow-up um, functionality of, of Greenhouse. And then another tool we use, because we're, it's actually just two of us on the recruiting team, myself and one other recruiter. And so with the fact that, you know, there's only two of us, but we have, you know, about 15 to 20 open roles on our website at any given point. Um, you know, we kind of have this system right now where we will tier the candidates for our outreach. So top tier uh, will typically be someone where the, someone from leadership will reach out to them. Um, so, you know, maybe our CEO will reach out to them or if like I'm trying to hire like a super senior engineer, I'll have our VP of engineering reach out to them because I have found that, you know, it really helps to have someone who's um, there's just breaks at some uncomfortableness or something when it's not a recruiter necessarily reaching out to these people. Um, and then for our second tier, typically that'll be who we'll, we will reach out to directly. And then we have a third tier that, you know, maybe it's an entry level position that we're opening up and we just kind of want to get the word out there. And for those, we actually use this tool called, um, Antello, but it's the Envoy tool. Uh, Maria, sounds like you're familiar with it. Yep, yep. Uh, so Intello is great. You can look up, you know, people's information on there and, you know, kind of get more details into who they are and it shows all their profiles, but then you can also go and add them to certain buckets and then you can send out automated emails to them and you can send up follow-up emails with that. And, you know, given that we are two people, it's hard for us to be, you know, sourcing and reaching out to people and actually being able to make an impact with that. So with this, it's, it's really great for A, just to get our, our name out there. We're a B2B software company. So, you know, we, you know, we need as many people as possible to start kind of knowing who we are and um, knowing us from an employer branding perspective. So yeah, we definitely use that for, for outreach as, as well as uh, AI sourcing. Interesting. It, it sounds like the, the 
the functionality of the technology is what helps you to be a one or two person team. So my next question, and this is not a trick question, I'm not trying to get you to answer to talk, to get you out of your own position, but tell me about the importance of the role of the hiring manager. And I'm not saying they're not important, but like what is some of those specifics and you know what does their role entail? Because it could be something that is interpreted a hundred different ways. So how do you define it in the scale up sense? Maria, what will popcorn to you real quick? Yeah. So I think, you know, Liv touched upon it of, you know, just leadership involvement in some of these, you know, high level roles are like hard to fill roles. You know, we too have a, a pretty lean, uh, you know, recruiting team. And so, it is just imperative that you have everyone besides the recruiting team who kind of has the title bought in and like playing the role of recruiter. So um, if I would, I would even say like, if you're out there and you're listening to this and you're like, gosh, like, yes, involve the hiring manager makes a ton of sense, but you know, our hiring managers are not interested. Our C levels are too busy. Like stop everything and you have to solve that problem first and influence that group of people that this is so critical to to your team's success and you can have like the most talented talent people and recruiting people on your team but if you don't have the support and buy-in from those people like it's it gonna it's not gonna work or it's it's not gonna work as much as you want it to and so that's I think first and foremost and there's so much out there in terms of data and like cost of hiring and you know the time to fill and, and all of those things that um, you can use to help influence so that's the first thing I would say but yeah I mean the hiring manager I mean obviously you know they're they're there for a reason right they're incentivized because they have this open position on their team but they're really there to you know articulate and communicate from the beginning, like why this role is important, why, what is it going to provide, you know, today, six months from now to the team, to the company, and really be able to articulate that story of why the person that or a candidate is even interested, right? I mean, you obviously would help them as the partner, but they are, they should be well equipped to be able to narrate that story. Um, and then just the engagement level, we talked a little bit about, you know, the importance of them being present and like serious and like early or, you know, like um, uh, on time for the meetings and, and stuff like that. And so that's the person that, you know, this candidate is going to be reporting to. And so if they don't put on, you know, a good uh, courting, um, you know, they, the, the candidate's going to be like, okay, this person clearly does not care about me. So why should I care about this job? Um, so there's, it's, it's, it's so important for so many reasons, but those are kind of my, you know, top things that I would, I would say. Now, Liv, you almost got whiplash during that because your head was nodding the whole time. So I, I'm, I'm assuming that you would have said all of that, but yeah. is there anything in addition that you would, you would add to it? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, absolutely agree with everything Maria said. I think um, something that I think helps kind of shift the importance of hiring for these hiring managers too, is I think it needs to be a shared goal between the recruiting team and the hiring manager. So uh, I think that's really important because I think, you know, especially if, if you guys are, if you're at a company that's, you know, really, Kind of does everything based off your goals it's really important to factor in those hiring goals into the you know hiring team's overall goals as well so that way everyone actually feels responsible for it and there you know is really actually accountability there um, so that's something i would add in and you know kind of a way that you can get people more bought in um yeah i think i think just absolutely it's important <laughs> it's it's not important it is imperative i love imperative. that word maria like 
I, I don't think I've heard the word imperative in a while, but I think this is very, very accurate in its usage. So I wanna, I wanna jump to interview questions, uh, how you develop interview questions and or interview questions that you like. And we're gonna try something random here as far as uh, format. We're gonna do a little ping pong back and forth. So, uh, so, you know, Maria, you can either discuss a high level of how you formulate questions and maybe give an example of a question, and then we'll pop it over to Liv and do the same thing. So maybe we'll go back and forth like it's some sort of a game, but there's no alcohol involved here. It's not those kind of games. Okay, so Maria, on, on developing and then maybe an example of one really good one and we'll popcorn back and forth. Yeah, so I think Liv mentioned it early, so I'm stealing it, sorry. But, um, you know, we like to do a blend of, you know, the core competencies, you know, what does success look like in this role? And like, what does someone have to possess in terms of competencies uh, to be successful in the role? And then also aligning our um, core principles, which are essentially our values. And so that's how we kind of set the foundation of how we, um, we create the questions. I'll also mention something new that we just started doing um, Every role here at Q has what we call uh, an individual success plan. And the individual success plan is, uh, it, it basically clearly articulates what the core competencies are for the person's role at any given time. So um, for many reasons, it's, it's a benefit, but it also is a benefit for recruiting because once this tool is created, our recruiting team is able to leverage it to say, okay, this person has just moved on, or maybe it's a role that you just created, but we have this individual success plan. and. Maybe Maybe the incumbent that is moving on had some areas that we've surfaced that are really, you know, been a blocker, have been an issue. So we might decide to hyper-focus on those areas when we're recruiting. And it really allows for the, um, the hiring or the, the recruiter to be able to formulate questions and really focus on those areas that we've basically discovered are truly important. So that's like my first um, out there. Um, and, you know, I mean, one of our, I'll to give an example of a specific, um, we, one of our core principles is called, uh, is speak plainly. And it's really about kind of like sharing your truth and, you know, saying what's on your mind, um, even when it's what somebody doesn't want to hear, or um, if it's kind of like the elephant in the room and like, you know, really about, you know, putting it out there and, and um, creating that uh, type of environment. So one of the questions we use is, you know, tell me about a time where, you know, you were in uh, a decision was being, being made that you didn't agree with and you know you basically you know spoke up and shared your perspective and like what was the result of that mm, that's a good one all right leave uh, live up to you <laughs> in my head i'm like oh live my name sound a little more exotic <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like an accent <laughs> leave <laughs> um, yeah so uh, no exactly same thing maria said in terms of how we kind of go about formulating our questions so um, you know, I think something that is important, you know, all of the companies I've worked at have come in as the first people ops uh, hire. And so there really has never been a process in place before I've been there. Um, and what I've realized with that is that oftentimes people then are not necessarily evaluating candidates for the right reasons. They're more so evaluating their new best friend that they can have a beer with, mm. uh, which A, isn't the most inclusive uh, interview process. And, you know, that's probably why a lot of people end up having um, you know, turnover or also end up needing to, you know, get rid of some people because they weren't actually making sure that they had the competencies required and then also making sure that they had the values required. They were really just making sure they were someone that they'd like to hang out with. Um, so, you know, I always, 
that's kind of why I went about this, this process of like, okay, you're looking for this certain job skill. You ask questions around this certain thing. And for all, anytime we have a new role, I will always go and make a, a question bank just around that role, around the competencies. And then we always have our, our value fit question banks that are, you know, based towards each value. So our values here, are, uh, hustle, transparency, and inclusion. Um, so, you know, an example of a question for hustle would be, you know, tell me about a time where uh, you created a, a new process or improved a process without being told to, but you kind of, you saw the need and, and you did it and tell me how that kind of went. Um, inclusion would be like, you know, questions around how they work with people or, um, you know, how they get thought partners if they're in a very siloed role, questions kind of around that and just how they interact with, with different people and if they're collaborative and um, also similar to what Maria said around, that's also one of my favorite questions just around, um, tell me about a time, you know, you disagreed with something and you spoke up because we want to make sure you know, here we're, we're very transparent. We, um, you know, want to make sure people feel comfortable to share their opinion because everybody's opinion does matter no matter what team you're on. Um, so yeah, absolutely one of my favorite questions as well. So I've got a question for you about a question that I always ask and it's a two-part question and it can be associated with a number of different categories, whether it be values, not, not, not so much values, but more skills. So I will ask them first on a scale of one to 10, um, how much do you enjoy blank? Whether it's writing or this or content creation stuff, like how much do you enjoy? And it's a fun pushback because they'll want definitions of, no, 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 just, just take a number here, one to 10, just, just a number. And then the next question is, how good are you at blank? Mm. On a scale of one to 10, no, uh, no conversation, just, just you know, put a tally there. And what I, my big takeaway is that I can't train somebody to really enjoy something but I can train them to be better at something. And that's one of my favorite questions. And so if I'm evaluating two candidates and one has a lower skill level, self-assessed skill level, which are a little inflated already, uh, but one has a higher enjoyment level, I prefer the person that enjoys that, that concept more. So that's kind of a fun way. Uh, any thoughts on that? Or do you guys do any one to tens? I, I like that. I, I don't actually, but I, I, it's interesting. I kind of like that. We, we might want to try that out just to see how it goes. And what you can pay particular attention to is how well they take direction, because sure. I'll be very clear. I'll say on a scale of one to 10, now I know you're going to want to talk about it, but just give me your gut instinct. And then almost all the time, they're going to want to talk about it. Like, what, what is that? No, no, no. And then you know that they're just like not really taking the initiative to answer the question. And my favorite, for those of you who ever get asked a one to 10 question, when you answer 11, 12, 15, or 17, that really is like, wow. Like, it makes me think that they're thinking outside of those boundaries. And in sure. any answer is fine. So that's kind of a fun one. Yeah, we always try. I mean, we talk a lot about, or I'll get questions in my interviews about, hey, what do you think is important for a person to be successful here? And I usually talk about a bunch of things, but I, I always try to target ambiguity or like the, the, like dealing with ambiguity, you know, like in any startup, I mean, you're not going to come in and, you know, everything's not going to make sense. You're not going to have all the details. You're not going to maybe know what's going on three months from now, or it might change or whatever. And um, that's also this approach or this question kind of ties to that too, right? Is this person able to just like be comfortable giving an answer when they may not like understand the full context of the question or be able to get 
the opportunity to ask like follow-up questions about it. So I, I kind of like it in that way also. Okay, if, if you like that, I've got another question that's similar that taps the ambiguity in the head, like nice. it's crazy. Give it to us. So they get used to the one to 10 and I always soften them up with that one first. I go, okay, next one to 10 question. On a scale of, <laughs> of infinity to exclamation point, and I say it straight and then they go, huh? Like they, every time they're like, what? And then I take a, a piece of paper and a pencil, like I would do here on, on this. This is the type of note paper pad that I have here. And I literally go like this. I'll say, you know, literally on a scale of infinity to exclamation point, then I'll do it just like that. I'll say, where are you when it comes to how you like to work? And I do this on purpose and then they, they're still confused. I go, <laughs> so infinity means that I give you very little direction and you can just run as far as you want. Like I need this thing done and you love that because you'll figure out how to do it. Or over here, you want total direction. That means if you need to go cover an event, show up 30 minutes beforehand, research the people, follow them beforehand, come with questions prepared, make sure it's five minutes. And just like, I have a very, you know, very exclamation point kind of thing. And then I give them the marker and I go, here you go. And they go like this, they go, oh, <laughs> they don't know. And that somewhere they're like, well, I, I, I like a little bit of direction, but I like my freedom. And it really just to see them kind of, kind of squirm. Like people, sweat coming down. Yeah. It's like you can have as much, you know, freedom as you want, or do you like direction? And just seeing where their head's at, my favorite answer is, well, um, I like a little bit of direction until I understand. And then I want as much freedom as I can. So <laughs> I like it. That's a good one. Okay, so we got like a five minute warning here and I wanna cover two main topics. So we'll, we'll see which one maybe takes a little bit more time. But one is about what happens after the rejection process. And the other one is about what happens in the follow-up process once they're onboarded. So really two sides of the coin. You have the interview, you either make it or you don't. And are there any best practices that you find to follow up with people that don't make it? Or do you even do that? And then how do you sort of check in and make sure that it's the right fit along the way? So, uh, oh, Liv, yeah, why don't you check it first? Yes, so something, so I always believe in more communication. So yes, I always follow up with people that are rejecting. I have, we have different processes for the different stages people get to. Um, so, you know, and even in the interview, I always tell people I will follow up with you in a few days or end of week or whatever I expect to, you know, longer than what I think it will take me to, to follow Give up. Give yourself some room, yeah. Yes. So, and I also always tell them, you know, if you don't hear from me, please feel free to reach back out to me. It's, it's not that I don't want to get back to you. It's probably just something happens. Con contact insurance policy. Yeah, basically <laughs> like, you know, don't worry, reach out to me. Like, I'm happy to, you know, give you an update, um, which, I will generally follow up with people, but that's kind of the catch-all in case I don't. I don't want that person to go and, you know, write a bad review on Glassdoor because they never heard back. Right. Good point. Yeah. So for for anything that hasn't reached in in person, I will typically send a nice rejection email. Um, and, you know, I typically try to personalize them a little bit just so it, it doesn't feel like just an automated message from Greenhouse. Um, and, you know, always thank them for their time. Thank you for the process. And then for my people who have made it on site, I always give them a call to, to let them know that, you know, we're moving forward with another candidate. And then something that I've found that's been really amazing and speaking of, of software and tools that we're using is this tool called Finalist. So it's actually a, a hiring platform where um, you can send your silver medalist basically for your job interview for the people who made it to your final on-site stage who, you know, maybe were 
nine out of 10 perfect for the role, but someone had the 10 out of 10, but they were so close. And so you can send them to this network of, of peer companies that are also hiring for similar roles. And so it's a really nice way to kind of reject awesome. be like, you know, hey, like you were great. You were, you know, so close to, to having this. And, you know, because of that, you know, we wanna, we wanna share you with this exclusive network uh, finalist where you can find a job similar with, with a peer company. Um, if you're interested. And that's kind of a nice way to kind of just leave the rejection on a, on a positive note of like, I want to set you up for success and stay in touch. Um, so yeah, I found that to be, to be very helpful with that communication. And I think candidates really appreciate, um, appreciate that. Interesting. Maria, what would you add or add on to that? Well, I love that. I just wrote that down finalists. That's so cool. I'm going to have to check that out. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're pretty much on the same page with, with all of these things, but I would agree with everything Liv says. It fit, pretty much follows our processes to a T. Um, one tip that I would just add is something that we've been trying out because you know, oftentimes there is uh, the decision maker, which is typically the hiring manager, and then there's you know, the recruiter. And the recruiter is usually the one that has to you know, make that call and, and say, hey, like, you, know, you did great, but you know, this is, we didn't decide to move forward. And you know, we really um, believe in feedback here and continuous feedback. And so we, we extend that to the candidates. And so we want to be able to say, you know, some specifics instead of just like a general thing, you know, and, and leave it up to the candidate to decide what really went wrong um, or just wasn't quite there. And so we've been coaching our, uh, our hiring team. So the folks that are going to be using Greenhouse to um, rate and, and provide the feedback of how the interview went to make their feedback or, or, or um, uh, communicate their feedback almost as if they were going to have to directly read it to the candidate. Yeah. And I think what that does is it really, you know, makes you think thoughtfully about the way that you're communicating this feedback and it allow it, it empowers the hiring team or the recruiter to be able to really come back to that candidate with some tangible, you know, clear feedback as to why. So it's not just this big question mark black hole of like, wow, like I thought like that went really well and everyone loved me and then I didn't get the role, like I don't understand. And so I think um, with that direction, I mean, you know, I, we're not to the point where we would just directly share it because like that's just not the not there at this point, but just the thought in the head of the person writing, I think uh, helps to get just some more tangible and, and um, uh, honest feedback that we can go back with. So that would be like the added thing that I would say that um, we do. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great tip. I love that. Yeah, you ladies have packaged up more tips into one box than is possible within a 40 45 minute period. So normally I'd ask what your best advice is for your younger self, but I think you've already given that times 10 over. Um, what, what, if I were to sum up all of these tips, um, it's interesting to see how it comes full cycle. We talked about remembering people's names as sort of the first spot. And we ended with how it's so important to be cognizant that there is a person behind the name. It's not just a resume. It's, it's somebody's livelihood. It's it's their life experience, their life work. So it's not always about, um, it, it's, it's just about this connection and, and this communication. So it's, it's the first impressions that matter. It's understanding that it's not an interview, it's a mutual view, hashtag mutual view. Okay. And when you are on stage, essentially, both of you are on stage. It's, it's the person behind and in front of the desk. 
And if you even think that your actions are being recorded while you're courting, then hashtag recording. Like <laughs> you, you have this opportunity to, to make something um, indelible. And so when you are late, that is a, that is a big mistake. I like the, the tools that you guys are leveraging because you are small teams, but you have this massive reach. I mean, to fill 15 positions and 20 people here, like that probably just, you know, makes a smaller startup have an anxiety attack. So using tools is a big part of it and the processes and procedures. So this idea of pretending that you live and that you came into a situation, there are no processes. Maybe there's a chance to reevaluate your processes because it's just that it is, it is an actual experience. And even considering not turning people completely down, but referring them to others is only going to create goodwill uh, and merriment for all. Because the last thing you want is to have the experience be shared in a negative way online, which then lowers your ability to attract better candidates mm -hmm. for a world-class organization. So ladies, this is, this is awesome. What's awesome too, is that we have two ladies. Sometimes when we're in the scale of heroes kind of concept, we're just, we have all these males and it's so nice to, to see you leading the field and, and making sure that you're bringing the right people in. Uh, I know we didn't really touch on inclusion and diversity, but I'm just assuming that that is a thread through everything. Uh, and my last and final thought is that every person's opinion matters, but every person matters. And at the end of the day, I hate the name human resources because it's, it makes it sound so uh, just sort of, you know, bots almost and like people that aren't people. So people, not people resources, just people. <laughs> so it's been fun getting to know you guys a little bit more and I look forward to connecting with you. And are you okay if I tell people to reach out to you individually, connect with you on LinkedIn, find your companies online and all that yeah. kind of stuff? Yeah. Okay. Check out that Good. job page. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, and that's a plug. <laughs> which um, you guys have open positions, right? We do. And how's the best way for people to go find those positions? Uh, and that that's probably the best thing we can leave people with. Yeah, Liv. Yeah, on our on our jobs website, we have them on our jobs website. We're also on built in built in NYC, so people can find our jobs there and a little bit more about us there as well. Um, but yeah, nosh.com and then find our careers page. Yeah, Sweet. we're we're constantly looking for um, software engineers and salespeople and. Uh, same thing, careers page at managedbyq.com. And we are also on uh, built-in NYC, which you can get a little bit more detail. Um, so yeah, check us out. And a great way to differentiate yourself if you're applying for one of these positions that said, hey, we saw you on this podcast. It was amazing. I learned so much. And then you come in there and you will be ready to answer those one to 10 or the infinity to exclamation point answers. All right. On behalf of Scale Up Valley podcast, uh, I'm excited to say that we are done with this one. And you can check out more at scaleupvalley.com and for all of your scale up needs, because gosh, we know there's a lot of problems scaling, but people like you are solving those problems. So thanks again. Thank you. Bye.